This podcast is brought to you by Scribe, a financial content agency. Just because your financial company and what you do is complex doesn't mean your content marketing has to be. Scribe produces blogs, articles, website and product copy, ebooks, pitch decks, and white papers for everyone from late stage fintech startups to the world's biggest banks and financial brands. Visit us at the Scribe Online. That's www.thescri.be. This is Stream It or Leave It. I like it a lot. Looking for something to watch? You have my undivided attention. We break down the best of streaming TV. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So you can stop scrolling and press play. We talk, we hook up, I smoke them up, we watch TV. It's great. Tune in each week for our take. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. And now, action. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. And don't call me Shirley. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing? Uh, Welcome to Stream It or Leave It with Matt, Jeff, and me, Shindy. We are a group of film and TV buffs, writers and journalists and critics who spend every minute of our spare time on all the streaming platforms so that you don't have to. Each week we watch each other's film and TV picks and then we cut through the hype and we tell you whether that week's selection is worth those valuable minutes of your life or not. And then we also talk about our faves and hangups and what else we are watching. So the show is in two parts. Part one is a no spoiler zone and then we'll give you a spoiler warning before we head into part two, which is our deep dive. And then finally, we tell you whether to stream it or leave it. So this week, our selection is Bo Burnham's Inside. Uh, According to IMDb, it's a new comedy special shot and performed by Bo Burnham alone over the course of the past year during the pandemic. And my take was that, you know, or a tall, lanky white guy with a lot of production equipment and lighting effects who films his own cultural commentary as part musical and part comedy show. So I believe this was Matt's pick, right, Matt? So do you want to tell us, wasn't it? <laughs> well, you want to tell us what made you pick this? Yeah, I, I, don't, particular I don't remember if it was my pick, but, I, but I'm happy to talk about it, as, as you know. Um, you, I know what happened. You had mentioned it, I think, one week on one of these, and then we just collectively decided. All yeah, no, I can, I can so talk it about definitely it. definitely your introduction. I can introduce. Yeah, cool. I mean, no, I... I I'm probably the one who knows the least about this guy. I, I knew him just from the excellent film Eighth Grade and from Promising Young Woman. But then this comedy special dropped on Netflix and it was just everywhere overnight. There was a lot of hype, a lot of people talking about it. And I literally just saw the trailer for it and it was the opening song and I was instantly hooked. And that song stayed with me <laughs> literally every day between the first time I watched the trailer and when I finally watched the special. And having now watched it, it's proven definitely worth the hype. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely worthy of the coverage and the, the columns that have been written. It's uh, very interesting. I found it very, very enjoyable. I guess that shows I how hope strong you guys liked your, it too. Yeah, I guess that shows how strong your recommendation was because I didn't even watch the trailer. As once you mentioned it, I just dived straight in without really knowing anything you know it. <laughs> about what I was getting into. So I guess we can go into first impressions. So, you know, you guys usually go first, so I can go first this week. My general impression of this, I'm glad I didn't know what it was about. The premise was, you know, completely unknown to me, which I was grateful for because I really enjoyed it. It's an incredible amount of 
content and music. And I feel like after I finished it, I really got to know more about who this person is, his thoughts, his influences, his creative influences. But, you know, just the ability for one person to create everything that he did. I felt like I watched a musical on just a social cultural commentary for the past year. So with that, I'll throw it to Jeff. Jeff, what were your general impressions after watching Inside? Oh, man, there was so much to unpack in this special. I had watched Make Happy like two days ago, two days before reviewing this one. And um, that's it's it's like it's so hard to describe the guys like like Weird Al and, and Stanley Kubrick it's just shoved together. It's like crazy. <laughs> I think there was, I just thought there was so much intelligence. Yeah. I thought there was so much intelligence and, um, you know, just, it, it just kind of blew me away. Matt, what were your general first impressions? The same, like you guys, I, I really didn't know what it was about. I just knew it was about a guy who did some comedy while, during lockdown, <laughs> I had no idea he was a musical kind of guy, even though I just saw that trailer. I thought, oh, he's done a song. I didn't realize that most of it was going to be songs. I had no idea that he was this talented. I thought it was going to be a mixture of skits and some songs and some confessional lockdown stuff. But it was just, like you say, it was mostly songs and it was uh, a lot of fun. There was a lot of ingenuity, a lot of music, a really impressive musical talent. And I, I laughed a lot. So, uh, and I, and I gasped a couple of times. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that, that's a much, you can't ask for more from a comedy special, <laughs> I think, right? Yeah. Right. I felt like it was so much more than a comedy special. Yeah. It was, you know, but I understand that the, I guess if they had to describe it or put a label on it, it would have been a comedy special given his background. No, it definitely is. It definitely fell in the yeah. comedy to me, but then we can discuss we can discuss the other bits mm-hmm. down the line as they pop awesome. up. Awesome. Well, with that, we can uh, go into a deeper dive. And so this is the spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen Bo Burnham's Inside, then we recommend that you pause here, probably go watch it, and then come back when you're ready to dissect and get, you know, some more deeper dive topics with what we're all sharing. So first, you know, some talking points. I thought I, I would love to get you guys take because just the first thing I want to talk about is just the amount of production equipment and lighting equipment that he has. And <laughs> obviously he's an entertainer, so we're going to assume that he has these things at his disposal. But there are people who have been entertaining for years who can't likely produce and just manage their way around equipment as well as he can. You know, I've seen performers like Katie Tunstall, for example. I think I saw her live on a BBC show once, or maybe it was the Today Show, but she performed herself recording different instruments and playing, and then she did it all live on one show where she seemed it all together, like live for one song. So this level of, I think it's like a different level of creative genius or talent where you just know exactly all of the equipment you're going to use, put it together, have all of this be you. I mean, it's amazing the amount of output with the level of production and equipment that one can produce this nowadays. So I don't know. I wanted to get you guys take on this. So um, Jeff, did you have any? Yeah, the technical facility, his technical facility w- reminded me, the only other artist I can think of, musical artist that I could think of is Imogen Heap, mm. that really is sort of uh, technically as 
just into the equipment as as he seems to be hmm. you know and she's she's actually developed some musical instruments that function with her hand movements and not like theremin or anything but they're actually connected directly to her movements and she sort of like does these really cool you know orchestrations and stuff so that was kind of but yeah you're right like the the whole equipment <laughs> load in that room is kind of amazing <laughs> it blows my yeah <laughs> It blows my little like, machine <laughs> behind me away because I feel special. It's like I feel special right. that I have a webcam yeah. and a mic and a light machine and lighting. Matt, what did you think? No, I think I think it's I think these days there's a lot of great equipment out there, as you found out. You know that's not necessarily particularly expensive. I think it it might obviously he's very very capable technically, but you know he's a director. He mm-hmm. di- he's directed live. I think he's directed a. A Chris Rock special before he's obviously directed his own movie. Yeah, so you, so you do have mm-hmm. that that skill set, and I guess today you know you can just order a ton of this stuff on Amazon. And then I think what I was most impressed by was just his creativity and his ingenuity. I mean, the amount of different shots to create in that space with the same equipment, the same mm-hmm. he had a lot of things, but really he was using to me maybe four or five things: a projector, a couple of. Uh, cool lighting things and uh you know mm-hmm. so he did so much with so little in such a confined space that's what really blew me away but i think he also on the technical side i was looking at a lot of people are out there dissecting or oh, what did he buy people are very curious about this the technical people and i've been res- i did a quick bit of research and it wasn't particularly expensive stuff although the ca- the main thing is the camera the camera that he used is a 6k camera which is apparently the minimum the netflix requires so you have to buy a $4,000 camera. Mm. And what that does allow you is because the quality is so high, you can zoom in and zoom out and create the impression of movement. Right. Yeah. And you think, wow, how did he move? Was, did he have it on wheels? Was it moving? It's like, no, it's just kind of cropping in and cropping out. So the quality of the equipment helps the creativity. Right. But, but yeah, some of those songs that had, I don't know, those, some of the songs had about, I don't know, 50 cuts in them mm. every few seconds. And he's coming up with each little cut by himself and executing. Perhaps, yeah. It just, yeah. it just blew my mind. And it's almost like when you listen mm-hmm. to something like Beck and you're imagining all the layers and how long it must have taken and what a headache it must have been. And you add to it the confinement and the pandemic. And I, I, would, I wouldn't have lasted two days doing this. I would just said, I'm done with this stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know how you didn't lose his mind. I mean, I guess he kind of did. <laughs> well, you, you, yeah, right. I know. There's that one part where he's like, I am not well. But, you know, it helps, right? It helps when you've got a spare room in your house, which is essentially a blank canvas. He had a blank canvas with that spare room, which enabled him to have all of those projection like um, of imagery and then all of his recording equipment and lighting equipment, which was so cool to see. So on that note, though, well, on, yeah, on the, well, on that note, though, do you think do you think I'm going to bring up something that I was going to bring up later? Do you think it's on, on how organic this is, how genuine this is? Obviously, I believe that he was exasperated, as we all were to a degree, and then he's trying to record mm-hmm. this thing. But he was trying to give this impression that he was living in this in this room right. and, and i think some people would believe oh my god this guy is you know he's living and recording this he's got shots of himself eating cornflakes brushing his teeth on the sink yeah uh, i do asleep. feel how much of this was performance and how much of this w- was genuine is, is something that i was you know i was completely swept away by it and then you know, i thought hang on a second how much of this is he's obviously very self-aware right. he jokes about how self-aware he is yeah but how much of this was performance? How much of this was genuine? What right. do you guys think? Well, I did 
get the feeling that this was his full-time project, obviously, during the pandemic, because he, I think he was trying to evoke the sense that he was living and breathing this. At no point throughout did I think that he was sleeping in that room, even though he got footage of himself sleeping or waking up, and that might have been staged, we don't know. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think just like every single one of us, we were confined to a space. And so that was like his studio or his workspace. And I didn't really get the feeling that he was sleeping. I did feel that he was spending most of his time there, for sure, to create what this was. And then, you know, uh, so that's kind of what I thought. Jeff, what did you think? It felt genuine to you, I guess, is, is what's uh, important. It, it, it felt mostly genuine. did. Yeah, maybe the, the parts where he's falling asleep are like, did I really think that he filmed himself sleeping? And then the moment when he woke up, that's probably the one scene that I questioned. So I don't know, Jeff, what did you think? <laughs> well, so the closing scene of Make Happy, which is the special that he did five years ago or five years prior to this where he admitted to having panic attacks as he was going through the tour of that show that's when he started to have panic attacks so at the very closing scene of that special he's in that room playing the piano and at the end he concludes the song or whatever the closing song was he gets up and he walks out that door and i remember it because he has to crouch down because he's so tall to get through this door and it's there's a space between that door there's like a little grass space and his dog and his girlfriend meet him on the back porch of the actual house so as soon as i saw the room i recognized it from the old from the previous show oh very cool so i was like okay so his girlfriend's still in the other room Oh, because <laughs> <yeah. laughs> he wasn't by you know he wasn't by right. himself and and this show is dedicated to her so that's really interesting yeah and that's I, what I, I did saw. read I, that i felt a little bit cheated when he said when he said dedicated to laws, I hang on a yeah, second. No. I thought he was on his own. Mm. I felt like, wait, wait a second, what's going on right. here? And then I researched and very quickly, you know, you see yeah. he's had he's had this partner for many years. Like, okay. Who is much older than him, oh, might I yes. add. And, you know, <laughs> older women love to the love the fact that somebody who's, you know, younger isn't afraid to be with yeah. an older woman. So props to him for that. When I read that, I was like, Oh my god, I love it. But in terms of its in terms of its again? So you consider yourself an older woman? Well, he's saying? thirty and I think his partner, from what I read, because I'm such a gossip hound, um forty three. Right. See, Matt, uh, you know this. Why you, is that a little bit of splash news coming in? <laughs> Always. Anyway. Well, I'm 12 uh, years so, older than Jill, so. Uh, sorry? Say that again? I said I'm 12 years older than Jill, so. Oh, no. We're talking about the reverse. Jill, oh, yeah, the, where, the reverse you know, of that. Yeah. Like, we're talking about cougars and cubs. <laughs> Although, in that sense, I don't think she's a cougar. Come on. I think she's. <laughs> I think it's wonderful when men aren't afraid of, you know, dating. Anyway, that's the yeah, point. Yeah, I agree. So moving on, we've talked about the equipment and lighting, and then we've talked about the sincerity of it. And so I think it's a good moment to talk about some of these deeper themes. We have a lot to unpack, but he touches on some, and it, he touches on some pretty serious topics, whether it was what was going on around all of us for the past year, uh, touched on political issues, um, race issues, mental illness. And so they're not all throughout, of course. There are some scenes that are much heavier than others. And so I don't know. I wanted to get you guys' opinion about how he navigated this because I'll just point out 
I loved white woman's Instagram. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> one of my favorite because I know when he was describing the one post, I think the lyrics are like, dear mama, I met somebody, I miss you because you assume that she's passed or something. I met somebody, I have an apartment, I'm doing really well. I know a girl who posted the exact same post on Instagram. And of course, she's a white girl. Wow. I, can, I will... Post that was, that's really good to know because that bit kind of lost really? me when you got to that and oh this has gone dark really quickly and i went oh that's where i gasped because you started with the mom died and then you went into this long spiel i thought wow okay that's kind of very very specific I and I have, maybe he knew my friend maybe but i've never i've never seen that myself because everything else i was like yeah i've seen that yeah oh. i've seen that that one was like well, this is a weird direction <laughs> maybe you don't know enough american white girls that's really? the thing okay so I certainly have seen that shit. And Maybe, I have yeah. long Maybe. conversations with girlfriends about the stupid shit that like girls post all the time. It's like, please stop posting another picture of your baby next to a sign that tells us how old he is. Like, just stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, little, little things like that. But anyway, on the heavier topics, there's the song, The Way yeah. the World Works with him and Sako. Gets pretty dark. So I don't know. Uh, Jeff, what did you think about how he navigated some of these rather serious topics, but addressed it with humor. Um, in looking at sort, sort of the, you know, and it may be unintentional symbolism, but a lot of people said that as he starts growing his beard and his hair starts coming out and he does this sort of like Jesus looking kind of pose with a light behind his head and, you know, sort of this whole thing. But there's another one that's <laughs> earlier in the show where he has spun the disco ball and he sort of does a little reveal about what he was doing later on. But at the beginning, he turns on a headlamp, you know, and the lamp is placed at the third eye chakra. And the third eye chakra, understood correctly, is turning wisdom around and looking at yourself. It's ah. learning to look within. Mm. And so I feel like... Oh, here we go. Between the, you know, the last scene of Make Happy and the opening scene of this one that where there's, you know, after you realize that, you know that there's been this interim of him like not doing any comedy, right? And he used to be accused of doing lots of like very um, misogynist comedy and very edgy, like super edgy, homophobic. And, you know, in this one, he poses very effeminately in certain ways. He's sort of like turning all of this introspection on himself mm -hmm. as a white male and just stripping it you know and it's like oh, yeah. i just i just like it blew my mind it was just completely genius and i loved the way he did well, it yeah i loved it's it it's interesting you say that about even the homophobic things that mm -hmm. he's been accused of those things and he did say in an interview once it's ironic because those were the insults that he was subjected to when he was in school yeah and so i think yeah. comedy is his way of bringing these things to light and certainly and i think the way that and i think his delivery is easy to misconstrue because Absolutely. it's it's yeah. like right on the edge of being that, mm. you know. It's on the edge of whether you're smart enough to get yeah, what he's trying a lot to of, say. So it's yeah, it's. I, I didn't realize know, he was atoning for this yeah. stuff. Yeah, Matt, what did you think? No, I, I didn't realize he was kind of atoning for his past behavior. I didn't, I didn't realize get that sense that he was atoning. No, from, from what Jeff is saying, it seems like you know because he, yeah, that's what that's because, what I meant. you know his songs about you know, and he started off very strong. And one of my complaints mm -hmm. was if anything was that he went a little heavy on the white privilege stuff i think his first three songs mentioned white privilege I was like, okay dude the first one was was pretty good we get it 
And then I was kind of wondering <laughs> why he was going so heavy, so soon, so condensed. Yeah. And I guess it's, it's it, it, you know, Jeff has cleared that up. That's really interesting to know. Yeah, I thought some of the themes felt a tiny little bit repetitive, but it, but it was, there was obviously some great commentary. The soccer stuff was fantastic. And the soccer stuff, funny enough, reminded me of that mm-hmm. Exterminate All the Brutes documentary that I've been watching because it kind of talks about colonialism and, and structures of power mm-hmm. and things like that. So that was very funny how that, that blended in with that. But I thought the themes that I, that I thought was really interesting, and this is not such a grand theme and it's an obvious theme, but I loved his, I thought he really nailed the internet and the current social media overexposure. Yeah. I oh thought, God. you know, how we've opened like a Pandora's box and when he played like a, a salesman saying, do you want everything all of the time? I thought that was just a great way. Does everybody have to say something about everything all of the time? And he kept going back to that. And that's how I feel. And I'm sure I'm not, I'm not the only one. It's like, can we dial it down a little? So the internet stuff, I thought, even at this day and age, he still managed to get something quite funny. Uh, and and they really hit a nerve with that Absolutely. for me. I loved that. The whole Twitch parody when he was observing himself and then it went into like him observing himself observing himself (laughs) i thought that was awesome so in that way i definitely you know on the theme of just being like a cultural anthropologist for sure he's very in touch with what's going on in the moment and the way i guess people are eroding themselves with technology it's like they're they're succumbing to the worst of it constant connection constant being observation just all of that stuff that's interesting you pointed that out i agree i definitely think that the way that he commented on it was really effective i'm sure jeff i'm sure jeff Um, has got some insight on that twitch one where he looks at himself and then himself looking at himself and himself looking at himself looking at himself Come on, Jeff, what does it all mean? I, that was one of the funniest scenes to me, actually, I thought. The whole thing, including, you know, the sort of self-doubt, the questioning, right. and all of the sort of, like, razor-sharp introspection and razor-sharp self-examination, I think, is what's going on. And and we're all, you know, as as a white male, I'm sort of, like, examining myself along with it. And I think that part of it is so... It, it's so much more than comedy. It's like performance art, really. Yes. You know, it's so intelligent. It's so intelligent. It's like a painting to me. And that's why I brought Kubrick into it was because I just thought there's so much genius going on right here and so much intelligence around discussing this subject in a way that's like both funny uh, and yet you know, sort of forces you to take a look at yourself in relationship to the internet and in relationship to to Amazon and, you know, all of the things that were sort of like on the rise during the pandemic and including suicide. So, you know, yeah, it just reminded me of like a sort of commentary on spiritual awakening in a way. So, yeah. Mm. Very interesting. It's cool that you mentioned performance art as well, because that was true performance art to me, just... And I know the last thing that we labeled or that we discussed that was performance art was that Derek Del Gaudio show <laughs> in and of itself. And I thought that that was a bit bloated and uh, self-absorbed. But anyway, performance art for real. I, I yeah, absolutely. Think that that the medium was. is the message. Uh, yeah. yeah. In regards to, I guess we could talk about the music overall just quickly before we go into faves and hangups. What did you guys think about his music? Did you enjoy it? Is it something that I don't know what you guys are listening to these days as far as what you love musically, but 
it was clear what his musical influences or even what he was satirizing, again, was very now and of the moment, very culturally in touch with the music that's popular or deemed popular these days. Like if you go back into Spotify, which now the all of the songs from Inside are now on Spotify, and I was listening to them again. Oh, really? Yeah. And like All Eyes on Me is definitely, it's got like those atmospheric electronic deep beats, which was probably one of the few ones that I would actually play in a car and like enjoy. <laughs> I think Shit is like pop beats. And then the one called Comedy is like 80s influences and very synth pop. It definitely, and the face it definitely time has with a my style. Mom. Yeah, FaceTime with my mom. I felt like it could have been something that Galantis or Calvin Harris would have released. It was so in that style of a dance track. So I don't know if you guys had any... How, did you get a feeling of like schoolhouse rock in any of those? Songs? I don't know. I, I just, Maybe? I yeah. thought, I just love this the, the synth heavy approach just from the opener. That every time he got into that, he, he got me going. But then even with the there was a song just on the guitar that was really cool, nicely done as well. He's just very talented. It's just very impressive how how this yeah. guy can be and, he, and how and how well he sings as well. I mean, it's very impressive. I love the Jeff Bezos song and I love the fact that it was unfinished. And then, and it was just so aggressive and so heavy. I don't know. I mean, people make, you know, it's not news to make fun of Jeff, but somehow he, <laughs> he managed to squeeze something that felt fresh out of it. And then there was a callback to it later where he was using the very cool lighting behind him, the lighting kind of like what you have now, Shindia. So I thought the, uh, the Bezos one was a little highlight for me. I like that one a lot too. All right. Well, let's go into our favorite parts about Inside. Jeff. You want to go first? What was your absolute favorite thing about watching this? I liked watching the whole thing. We were talking earlier about how authentic or how, you know, I don't think it's possible for us to know how depressed he got or his sort of internal thoughts. And I'm sure that that there's some of that in there. But the moment that I realized how, and if you look at the music, if you look at the lighting, if you look at his facility with editing, his facility with directing, his facility with writing songs and lyrics, the whole thing put together. There's one part where he's sitting there going, you know, I've been working on this thing for six months. And he's just like, you know, in a chair, kind of like with the the door sort of cracked open behind him. I, mean, do, I don't know if you guys remember that scene. I, think I remember this. Yeah. He gets upset. At one right? point. Yeah. At one point he's trying to say, I started, but he, instead he says, I sharted. And he slaps himself <laughs> on, the, on the leg. And I just busted out laughing because I was like, this whole thing is so scripted. It's perfect. It's like right on, like totally on purpose. Uh, so I just thought like that sort of let you in, mm. you know, and then he freaks out and like the camera falls over and that whole thing. Right. But I just thought that that moment sort of like, re it was the reveal for me. And I... I just, uh, I don't know. It was, it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> Very cool. That's really interesting. I, you know what? I couldn't tell if that scene was real or fake because I, I wasn't sure if he really truly got frustrated. Right. And in that, in that moment though, the frustration seems so exactly. real because we've seen that response from people, right? When you fuck something up, you're like, fuck. Yes. But it's like a real. He was like almost. It, like it really bothered him, but who knows? So Matt, when, what was your favorite? Yeah. But when you're a performer and you're sealed into this room where you have cameras running to catch, just so you can use it as an outtake or as an intake or as B-roll, then what performance and what what re is there any kind of reality happening in that room? Really, he's a performer who is performing for a special, which is 
meant to mimic live. The line is very blurry over there, but I can definitely, as someone who has tried to shoot maybe one minute of footage, of scripted footage and in, in a room on my own, and I spent hours <laughs> to get one minute on tape and pull my hair out, I definitely believe that he was pulling his hair out. But as far as favorite, I mean, like I said, I love the Jeff, Jeff Bezos tune. <laughs> the opener was just a sensational, super catchy opus with yeah. like, and when he turns his lamp up and hits the uh, the disco ball and he delivers a line, here comes the content. Oh, you know, daddy's got some content. I That was just brilliant <laughs> for me. As someone who deals in content and has a love-hate relationship with that word and what it brings for him to use that. That really cracked me up, and uh, and, and also I just just a quick mention to the turning thirty song because, but that was really I thought the turning thirty was incredible. Where you could see him working all the lights, and I think almost the whole song was just uncut, and he's doing a lighting with a phone that's hidden behind his back, and then he brings it around over his head, and then he's hitting some floor uh, mm-hmm. pedals for other lights to come on. I mean, to to just conceive that. And to be able to pull it off with just an iPhone and a couple of pedals and make it so interesting and engaging. That was something. That was quite something. Yeah, very cool. I think my faves were also in line with you guys' faves. And I mentioned already what my, I think the one that was funniest for me was was probably that white woman's Instagram one and the, the Twitch one where he was observing himself. So I don't have to go through the faves again. Um, for hangups, was there anything about inside that, was a hang up for you like that you didn't like i, I Matt, have you can go first this is a bit of a bit shitty of me but what about the timing <laughs> well, what about the timing Uh-oh. of it i mean we're back out now shouldn't this have come out three months ago wouldn't that wouldn't have been or would have been too much for us to deal with i wouldn't have been i mean obviously we can still remember it and a lot of people still kind of are in other parts of the world in lockdown uh, wouldn't it have like 10 times the impact if we're in lockdown watching this guy in lockdown? It feels a little shitty. He was on his own. He did it all himself. He is, uh, it was a clearly difficult shoot, but I'm just surprised they didn't, they didn't pull this right. out You know, a few months earlier, a couple of months earlier. I'll, I'll be curious to know how long this has been in the can, but I guess not very long. Yeah, I guess it depends on post-production and editing and just their general schedule, mm. right? Because I, it, it was interesting to me when he gave that insight into his background about how it was only until January 2020 that he decided to get back out there in the world after working on himself and perhaps treating whatever he was going through. And so we don't know when he actually turned this in. It could have just been very recent. So I'm guessing it would be because post-production would have taken a while. I mean, editing all that stuff together would have taken a while, mm-hmm. I guess. It's just a shame it didn't come out a couple of months ago. I think that it would have been uh, even more right. impactful. But hey, it's well, it's been pretty that's impactful That's an interesting anyway. point that you make, right? Because the shows, and we t- talked about this when we talked about How To with John Wilson, is that that we lived that reality. But when we see creative shows or the things in, that are on TV now that address the pandemic, how soon is too soon? How do you navigate it without it being, you know, like how do you address the subject in a way that's digestible for an audience? And so I didn't have a problem with the timing because I think everybody's generally in a better mood now. I think this would have been problematic for people who were seeing this in, closer to when they're still being locked down. I, I think I would have had a problem with it because I myself am locked up, cooped up in this room with Maybe, people yeah. I, you know, question whether I love or hate. <laughs> you know, and so to have this come out, I don't know. I, I didn't get that sense. Um, 
Jeff, what was your, what did you think? And what was, did you have any hangups? I didn't have any hangups with it. I think, yeah, timing wise, that's an interesting question. I hadn't really thought of. I, I think that maybe in the earlier or during, you know, sort of the tail end of the pandemic when everybody was still in lockdown uh, on a wider scale, maybe. I think might have been too yeah. much. You know, it might have been too heavy. Right. I'm not that's sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But it could have healed us yeah. with comedy, but, like you said. But I think in in a but that's a very good point though, because I feel like sometimes you have to be somewhat removed from facing your reality to be able to digest it. And I think they hit the mark with the timing because I think a lot of people would have been disturbed, especially with all of the tension and just what was going on out in the streets. Having to listen to those songs and his political and cultural commentary during very tense moments like that. I don't know if it would have been the right time. So I don't know. But anyway, wild card. Do you guys have anything else that you want to comment on about this that maybe we haven't touched on in our conversation? Matt? I think I've used up all my wild cards on, on this one. I think we've, we've gone <laughs> we've gone pretty wide here. Yeah. I think that was my wild card. It's like the timing was like, oh, is, that, is that something? Yeah. I guess it may be a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about it. You know yeah, what, though, yeah, if it had come out too. sooner, I, I probably and and actually, that's to your point. I was not dreading it, but I wasn't inclined to watch it because I kind of knew what it was about. So, had you not mentioned it and endorsed it, Matt, I would have left it alone. It. Right. So it's interesting really? because it, to me, it was like, oh, a guy is filming a special inside. How exciting. I don't want to be brought back to that world, but I'm glad I did watch it. So my question, do, do, do you recommend the uh, Make Happy? I haven't watched it. Um, I haven't watched that. Yeah, it's similar sort of themes and edginess. Also using the use of technology mm-hmm. and music throughout the thing is and and this in this very sort of strange interplay with the audience. He does this thing with, I think he saw Kanye West or he heard about Kanye West or he saw it on YouTube and Kanye doing this really long thing with his voice auto-tuned and he just went off on some tangent. And so Bo Bo Burnham kind of does the same thing, talking about Pringles cans and how his hand doesn't fit inside. (laughs) He does that in one as well. Actually, yeah, for my wild card. I also tried to go back and watch his Netflix special, What?, so it's just called What mm-hmm. with a full stop at the end. I would like to go back and watch Eighth Grade and Make Happy, but I think What was one of his earliest yeah. comedy specials. And I yeah. found it difficult to watch that because he's an immature comedian at that point. And he's not this person that you see in Inside. He's very, you know, it's kind of like silly. I would, for shock. Yeah, that kind of immature humor that's self-deprecating touching on that whole homophobia does he believe it and then his voice and music yes he's talented he uses some of the same kind of effects but i found that one a little hard to watch and i couldn't finish it because it was it just got annoying he may he, he sounds like he, he seems like he could come across as a smart ass a little bit too much a- he's absolutely. obviously quite a clever guy but it was some of the songs were a little bit on on the edge but uh you know it was so mm-hmm. well-performed that you kind mm-hmm. of allowed it. But yeah, if he's more immature, I can see that it could be getting a little yeah, grating. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it was. And I think he's refined that now so that at least people can sit through his songs. I found it difficult. And I don't think I would go back and watch it. So all in all, Bo Burnham's inside. Stream it or leave it, Jeff? Stream it. I'm going to stream it again. <laughs> Matt? Stream it or leave it? Stream it, for sure. Awesome. I agree. 
So I think we're all happy with that one. And then we always like to end the show with a little commentary on what else we're watching because we clearly have so much time in our busy schedule. So any <laughs> so <much>. little... <laughs> It's like we just don't have time to do anything else, but then we watch an entire series in one evening. So what else have you guys been watching, Matt? Um, I actually haven't had that much time recently, but so one that I that I did start and I, and I do want to continue, it just kind of got put aside a little bit, was, uh, it was Girls 5 Ever, which is uh, a sitcom. What is that one again? I didn't hear that. Girls 5 Ever. It's a, a sitcom oh. Um, oh. from the creator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The creator was a writer on um, on Kimmy Schmidt. It's produced by Tina Fey, so it's it's definitely got those Thirty Rock vibes. They're very fast paced, very sharp. So many jokes that you, you really got to be on your toes, or you or you miss it. <laughs> Lots of pop culture references. It. I was impressed. I'm not 100% sure the cast is quite sharp enough to keep up with the pace. I've only watched a couple of episodes, but the material is really sharp. And it's it anything that throws you back to 30 Rock is, is a good thing in my book. And uh, I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to keep watching and I can let you guys know if it, uh, if it continues to be good. It's on Peacock, uh, which you can tell it's on HBO Max because it does have it does look like a budget version of 30 Rock the production. <laughs> you can tell that the production values are a little bit lower, but it's still, it's, it's a good light bit of fun. Very cool. Jeff, what else are you watching? Well, we had to get out of this nutballs heat over here. So we took the kids to the movie theater <laughs> and saw um, Spirit. No way. Yeah, we saw nice. Spirit, which is a, an animated show from DreamWorks uh, oh. with Jake Gyllenhaal and... Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal, sorry. Savory. Yeah, let's let's take two. How dare you? Take two. Jake Gyllenhaal and <laughs> 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 I should have looked it up because uh, yeah, it. all the Gyllenhaal fans would be sh- would be absolutely I shocked know. that you mispronounce his name. Okay, such so, a so, Jake Gyllenhaal. Was it good? I know. I know that my my, my friend's kid adores Spirit. That's all she ever has to be played on yeah. the TV. And I've warned him, you've got more spirit coming your way, mate. <laughs> it was oh, Julianne Moore. That's the uh, co-star of Starness. Mm. And so, yeah. Julianne yeah, Julianne Moore. Julianne, Julianne, Moore. Julianne, Moore. Julianne Moore, the redhead. I saw her walking around the Upper East Side one day. Yeah. She was like, you know, in her typical, you know, like long red hair. <laughs> she seems to have like very small teeth. Oh. I don't know what it is. She's very beautiful. Yeah. There's something about her so, for sure. The thing that I really liked about Spirit was, you know, I mean, for a kid's movie, it's great. But the world building of the animation was amazing. Like, you actually sort of, and I don't know if it was just because it was in the theater, but, you know, we we do tend to go to a lot of kids' movies. And even um, Frozen 2, I didn't feel as immersed in the world of Frozen 2 as I did in this movie. Mm. So it was it was pretty interesting. And I don't know if it's maybe because I sort of like have this affinity for the Old West or something like that, because it's kind of set, uh, you know, around Yosemite. And I mean, the world's not real, but it, it was pretty cool. So, yeah, I did like it. Maybe it's because you haven't been to the sim in a while. Yeah, yeah. You're you're now more easily impressed. Like, whoa, yeah. this big screen. Very cool. This big world. Yeah, true. What about you? I need to ask what my nieces are into nowadays. They're into like so much <laughs> anime. Um, for me, 
I just happened on this, like, I think it's a 10 episode series called Basic versus Baller. There's only one season, but if you love travel and if you are kind of wanderlusting, it's actually a fantastic uh, little premise and it's on Hulu, I believe. And it's also for purchase on Amazon Prime, but it's two brothers. They go around the world and every city that they get dropped in, in the beginning of each episode, they do like a little rock, paper, scissors, and they figure out who's experiencing the city on a budget versus a baller budget. So one brother gets $3,000 and one brother gets $300 and they have to experience the city two Uh ways. And so I like it because when you see these travel shows, there's always only one perspective, right? So it's nice when you have both perspectives, because for me, when I travel, I like to do both. I like to go to Michelin restaurants, but then I also like to go to the the street food stalls. And it's so important in places like Hong Kong and Taipei, where you have the best of both worlds. And so even the guy who's on the basic budget, he stays in like these hostels. Whereas the guy who's on the baller budget goes and he stays in like the suite at the Intercontinental. So they have so many cool cities and experiences and they're, they have fun personalities. They do a lot of fun things like they go wakeboarding. They do fun adventure type things. So it's not just about the travel element. They tour. They go to like cultural things. So I think it's a pretty well-rounded travel show is the most inventive one I've seen in a while. So if you guys get a chance, the episodes are fairly short. I think they're like 30 minutes each and the guys are just fun. So yeah. So that's it. Thank you guys for joining and we will see you you on the next episode of Stream It or Leave It. Thanks guys. Bye everybody. Bye. That's our show. Are you not entertained? What did you think? Pretty, pretty good. Don't forget to subscribe and find, like, and follow us on social and on YouTube. We don't have faces for radio. Promise. You can't handle the truth. You can also find our show notes on Substack at Stream It or Leave It. See you next time. And thanks for tuning in.